0: This is Anthony Pascal.
1: And this is Laurie Elster, and this is the All Access Star Trek Podcast. Today, we're going to be reviewing Star Trek Strange New World Season 2, Episode 5, Charades. We're going to start with some news, and even before that, I just want to say I am recording this from a motel on the Jersey Shore. So if you hear weird sounds, I can't control my environment, the audio quality isn't going to be as good, and we're doing the best we can.
0: Well, you know, we appreciate you coming in from the Jersey Shore.
1: All right, so we should start with the news, and the big news that everybody must know about by now is that SAG AFTRA has gone on strike. The actors are going on strike. Actually, they will have gone on strike by the time you hear this podcast because it will have started at one minute after midnight
0: on Thursday. And so you get this podcast a few hours later. There's still some things we don't know, but here's let's just talk about the star trek side of this i mean there's you know there's plenty you could read online about why they're going on strike they have a lot of legitimate reasons ai wages residuals etc and uh, those are different issues than the wga who are still on strike the dga did cut a deal and so they're not going on strike right
1: there are a lot of memes and things online of just people standing alone in rooms saying the director's going to work
0: but because the actors are going on production could still continue on some things and did with the WGA that's over now for television and film and i'm going to get into because everything needs actors so all productions over for star trek they had already basically paused everything so it doesn't change anything it's just that the chance of season 3 of strange new worlds or the section 31 movie the Starfleet Academy, 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 show. are the three things that are greenlit, you know, and at various stages of being written. I don't see any of them being shot this year, which means none of them show up on Paramount Plus next year. Yeah, I mean, maybe something they squeeze something in at the end of the year because they're not even negotiating with the writers. That's what, I mean, they were negotiating with the actors. They're playing super hardball with the writers. You know, there's reports about how they 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 want the writers to start you know, living on the streets before they're going to negotiate. I mean, it's, a, it's getting really ugly basically.
1: And also the writers are saying, why do you think we're negotiating? We don't have houses for you to take away.
0: Yeah. It's just, it's terrible. Um, what's happening.
1: Well, so then the, the question also, the more immediate consequences for a lot of fans are things like San Diego comic-con, which is coming up fast and the big convention in Las Vegas. And so as part of the strike Actors cannot promote current or upcoming work. That means not on panels, not on social media, certainly not for big studio productions or anyone that they're striking against. So the union is urging actors not to even go to Comic-Con, although they said you can go, but you can't be on panels. You can't talk about the project. And in terms of Las Vegas, you know, obviously a lot of our panels and stars are there to talk about things that they were (laughs) filmed in the 90s or earlier so that kind of talk is fine it gets dodgy when you start talking about strange new worlds guests or discovery you know any of those things and for some actors there's going to be a solidarity issue where they're like i'm not going to go to any of these things and other ones want to come because they need to make money because they're not working it's very complicated
0: they can do things like sign autographs and i mean you know here's the weird thing Like it would be totally fine for Anson Mount to go to Las Vegas convention, sign autographs, do photo ops, and not do the panel, and he would not run afoul of anything. But um, that would not be any fun, especially for us. Right. And I'm not saying that's what's going to happen, but the Comic Con panel. Oh, by the you know, so last week we said we didn't know anything about Comic Con. There is going to be a Comic Con panel supposedly on saturday that was supposed to have lower decks discovery and strange Worlds, but they didn't announce any stars or writers and from what i understand none of the writers could go and none of the actors could go so i'm starting to wonder whether that panel is still going to happen yeah Um, i mean i'm going um, well, then you but, could
1: you could be on it and just give your best guesses <laughs> and draw some pictures of what you think the key art will look like.
0: Now we're going to get into the weeds, but it's kind of important. Lower Dex is under a different contract. Technically, Mike McMahon could go. Yep. Some of those actors are SAG actors, so they couldn't go. But I'm, there is some possibility that even SAG actors who are working on an animation contract, that may be OK. Like, I, I know that games are OK. Audiobooks are OK. So it's still unclear whether. And I think some animation is OK. Yeah,
1: commercials are OK, too.
0: Yeah, I mean, actors can work. They just can't do TV shows or movies. Yeah, certainly live action. Um, animation's a question mark right now. I think is mostly done with season two anyway, but on a production side, season four, five of Lower Decks, maybe. But getting back to Comic-Con, they may just release trailers during Comic-Con and press releases. And because they do a panel, like, you know, they could have like Rod Roddenberry up there. You know, some of the people who work for, Alex Kurtzman, who aren't in the WGA. I mean, there are a few people like that. I just don't see that happening. I don't know. Yeah. So, you know, we'll know more next week. I'll be recording next week's pod right before I go to San Diego. Right. That's it for strikes, but we expect to learn more and we'll be reporting more on this site regarding that.
1: All right. Well, let's move on to a more upbeat topic, um, which is that Star Trek has been nominated for some awards. I mean, this one's sort of a mixed up beat. So, Star Trek Picard, we were all hoping that it would be nominated for. Acting, directing, writing, production design, all the things we've been raving about. It did get two Emmy nominations, but they're both for makeup. Um, One for contemporary makeup, non-prosthetic, and one for prosthetics. But that's it. That's all they got. Which is
0: great. Yeah. The shocking thing is Picard got five nominations for season one, four for season two. One would imagine that it would get even more for season three. I mean, yes, last year was a peak year for just content. Um, because after the pandemic, just a lot of shows came back and there's just a ton of stuff. But I think a lot of this is, you know, there's these buzzy shows like The Last of Us, Kenobi, Mandalorian, and they just sucked up all the oxygen. I mean, The Last of Us got like 22 nominations or something crazy like that. The two Star Wars shows got about 20 between them. House of the Dragon got a bunch and they're just Star Trek um, I would call it a snub. I wasn't expecting. I was just
1: going to say, I feel snubbed. I do. It does feel like that. Because especially, like, they've always snubbed, you know, since Leonard Nimoy's nominations, they've just been snubbing actors relentlessly. But the, the production design is something that I would have completely expected to see. Nominations
0: for you know a lot of this comes down to not everyone watches Paramount Plus and sure they get screeners out to these people but you know are they going to watch all the shows with just screeners shows on Max and Disney and Netflix especially just do better and that's just the fact of it anyway yeah but congratulations to the makeup teams they've been nominated every year they won one year for prosthetic makeup there were no other nominations Lower Decks could have been nominated it wasn't. And Prodigy is eligible for a different uh, awards later in the year. Uh, Strange New World Season 1 wasn't eligible this year. Season 1 was eligible last year, and it actually was nominated last year for one award. And Discovery obviously isn't in the window either. Those shows weren't snubbed. They weren't eligible.
1: Right. Well, some good awards news <laughs> is that the uh, the Hollywood Critics Association announced their nominations And there were eight for Star Trek, seven for Picard and one for Lower Decks. And the ones for Picard are Best Drama Series, Patrick Stewart's nominated, Brent Spiner's nominated, Jerry Ryan, Michelle Forbes, and then Terry Metalis for writing and directing the series finale. And then Lower Decks for Best Streaming Animated Series.
0: You know, for both of these award shows, by the way, they're like, we have no idea when we're going to hand out these awards because, you know, no one's going to show up yeah that's just the the new reality i guess in hollywood i mean you're not even allowed like let's say you're nominated for an emmy you're not allowed to do what they call four-year consideration publicity for yourself to, to right. win an emmy
1: and it's i do because i saw some writers posting with us who work on other shows like talking about abbott elementary and shows like that where they're so excited and now they can't like celebrating really in public promotional ways it's a bummer
0: there are some more awards, this time for books. So the International Association of Media Tie-In Writers has an annual Scribe Awards. And Star Trek Novels picked up three nominations this year, uh, which is a pretty good outing. And so High Country, uh, which is a Strange New Worlds book by John Jackson Miller. And Star Trek, the original series Harm's Way by David Mack were both nominated for Best Original Novel. and. A prodigy book called A Dangerous Trade was nominated for Best Young Adult. That's by Cassandra Rose Clark, is one of the new writers writing Star Trek books. So that's exciting. Those awards are being handed out at Comic-Con. And as a reminder, uh, the Star Trek comics are also up for awards coming out at Comic-Con, the Eisner Awards. So Star Trek tie-in fiction is doing well this year.
1: Well, that's nice. That's cheering in the face of everything else.
0: And this is brand new here on Thursday. Uh, so Nielsen top 10 is out, uh, for the first week of Strange New Worlds, because there's kind of a delay for their streaming top 10. So the premiere week of season two of Strange New Worlds, the show is on the chart at number seven.
1: That's great.
0: Yeah, that's higher than Picard ever got. Although the metric they use millions of minutes watched is actually less than the season finale of Picard, but about the same as some of the other seasons. So Strange New Worlds is doing well for... Paramount Plus and something of note, since the season finale of Picard, no Paramount Plus show has made it into the Nielsen top ten. This year, only Star Trek and the Taylor Sheridan 1923 show are the only shows that have made it into this chart for Paramount. Um you know, we talked about Comic-Con a little bit earlier. Just keep an eye on the site for updates. We're doing previews, merchandise previews, panel previews. And then Christine and I will be in Comic-Con next week, and we'll be reporting live from for all the cool stuff.
1: From the empty Hall H. No, from... <laughs> There are other panels and other events and activations. So um, if you want to see what's going on, come to the site because it's all written up there. And then for updates, obviously, you'll do the same.
0: There's one panel that I think is still going to happen. They're doing this celebration of animation because it's the 50th anniversary of Star Trek, the animated series. And there's some official Star Trek animation celebration happening. I think it's more of a marketing campaign, but we don't know much about it. But I'm going to be at that panel to see what it's all about.
1: Nice. All right, you'll report back. Speaking of animation, we also want to tell you about a Star Trek Lower Decks crew handbook that's coming out in October from Titan. And it's it is it's like a handbook told through the eyes of the characters. It's filled with the usual jokes and Easter eggs and things that you'd expect to see on the show. But it also looks like it has a few clues for us, probably, about what's to come that include promotions. Both Boimler and Rutherford seem to have moved up and rank, at least in this book.
0: The book is coming out in October, which is probably roughly around when the show's going to be streaming. They said it's coming out in the summer. The summer ends in September, right? So um, I think the plan was for it to be concurrent. And I've always expected them to promote some of these people, but it looks like a really fun book. It's funny how there's these dialogue boxes throughout the book. So it's like someone wrote a book and then the crew you know, Boimler and Baroner are commenting on the book. It's very meta. So just check it out. It looks looks like fun.
1: Oh, that's fun. I have a, a cookbook I love by the Robocellis that does that, where the wife wrote all the stuff and the husband keeps chiming in in these word balloons. It's fun.
0: So that's all the Star Trek news for the week. But we do have some sad news. If you didn't hear, on Monday it was reported that Manny Cotto, who was the executive producer and showrunner in the fourth season of Star Trek Enterprise, passed away. And uh, he was 62, his pancreatic cancer. I didn't even know, you know, I spoke to him last year. I didn't know this was happening. I think most people were surprised by this, but supposedly he's been, you know, fighting it for a year and it's just tragic news.
1: Yeah, it's really sad. And he's, you know, everybody talks about how he turned Enterprise around at the end and he himself said it was the happiest time of his career working on that show I'm also a big fan of 24. I watched all of that, which was his. And uh, on the site, we collected just some posts and thoughts from Rick Berman, Brandon Braga, Mike Sussman, John Billingsley, Mike Akuda, Mark Altman. Um, just sad news that really surprised a lot of people.
0: Yeah. I mean, Rick, you know, the statement he put out said that if the show went on, you know, that Manny would have ran it in the fifth, sixth, seventh season. You know, they were really, Brandon has said, you know, who was the showrunner on season one, Brandon has said that Manny's fourth season is what the first season should have been, which is, you know, rather self-effacing of him. Yeah. Yeah. He's, you know, very well regarded and it's just really sad news. Before we get into the review, let's talk a little bit more about some strange new worlds things.
1: Yeah, you interviewed the director of last week's episode, so Eduardo Sanchez, who we talked about because he was the co-writer and co-director on The Blair Witch Project, which is pretty amazing, and a huge Star Trek fan. So I love that you asked him about all of that stuff, you know, about his fan film and about... And wait, he had a great project he started during the pandemic
0: he was a star trek fan you know when he he made the student film in 1989 so obviously he was already a fan of the original series and he he said you know he knew the other shows but during the pandemic he decided to watch everything in chronological order which is funny because he he started with enterprise because he wanted to do it in star trek future history order and he's even got down to the where he's he watched first two seasons of discovery before watching the original series Because they are chronological, but he hasn't watched, he hasn't caught up yet to the final seasons of Discovery because he's still working his way through, but that's pretty thorough. I
1: love that. I think that's awesome.
0: There's good stuff on a technical side about this episode. Some of the things we thought about how he shot certain things. He agreed that the way they shot with the AR wall was kind of in the TOS style and he was trying to use the TOS style throughout and he had some interesting stuff about how he shot that scary scene with Ortegas, but he wants to come back. And he and Davey Perez, who's co-executive producer and wrote that episode, have been talking about him coming back and maybe doing a found footage episode of Star Trek, which I think is a really cool idea.
1: Yeah. One of the other interviews you did, you've been busy,
0: almost with <laughs> Jess
1: Bush. And <laughs> I think we should play part of that interview because you asked her about something I think a lot of us have been thinking about. And uh, I like the little back and forth when you brought it up and how you persisted. So let's just listen to that.
0: The episode added some subtle nods towards Chapel's larger arc towards the original series, and including name dropping uh, Roger Corby.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. So.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: so, like, how much have the showrunners laid out for you their plan for Chapel? Either you know, just for a season at a time, or. Have they talked to you about, you know, where they're headed?
1: Yeah, so they, like, how it goes is, like, they kind of, there's, there's certain points that we're going to reach. They kind of tell us
0: the greater, kind of, broader points that we're going to reach um, as characters, but how we get there is is never really set in stone until the episodes come together closer to the time that we're shooting. So I have a vague idea of where I'm going. Let's put it that way. <laughs> is it, it, so just so we get this straight, even though you you're talking about Roger Corby at the beginning, are we to believe that Chapel is yet to meet Roger Corby at as of this episode? Yet to meet him? Yeah. Yeah, well I haven't met him yet. Okay. Should we uh should we look forward to that? Are you saying?
1: I don't know. <laughs> Maybe.
0: We got a hint last year, I think, that Roger Corby might be a character. Oh, I think he's coming fresher. Yeah. yeah, especially based on what happened in this episode, because we know that no matter how different their chapel is, the end of her arc is definitely not going to be her and Spock getting married, you know, like. Right. So I think Roger Corby is what's going to break them up, probably.
1: I don't know where they're going to go with where we are, so we'll find out. And then you did one more. The interviews never stop over here at
0: Track Movie. I also uh, spoke to Gia Sandu, who plays Pring. This was a less spoilery interview because it was going out before the episode. It's nice, but we couldn't really get into things. One thing she did kind of reveal is it it sounds like there was a different episode planned, but because of schedules and or COVID restrictions or something, that they had to change things around... Maybe it was just that they weren't doing location shooting or something. They, I'm not sure, but she did talk about how they had to make last minute changes for this episode. Yeah, you know, It is a bottle episode. And uh, yep. if you're going to visit Vulcan, you should probably visit Vulcan. But my bet is that was impractical for whatever reason.
1: I mean, in, they did go to interdimensional space also. <laughs> which <Well, laughs> <laughs> doesn't really count as, count as location shooting.
0: Well, I mean, t- you know, technically it is because the volume is on a different sound stage. They have to, you know, get in the cars and drive down there. It's they don't yeah, own those but stages, it's, but still it's still not it's, quite it's the not, same thing. Yeah, it's still inside of a building. Um,
1: yes. All right. So we're, we're going to get into our review of charades, which we recorded earlier this week before I went to this New Jersey motel with the bad sound. Um, But I do want to say I was thinking about our review after we talked about it, and the one thing I just want to say going into it is Star Trek used to have, we've talked about this before, much longer seasons. And with those seasons, there were filler episodes and different kinds of episodes that when they got sort of goofier or maybe didn't dig into something that felt like it was a big part of the episode, it was... Sort of easier to easier to I guess forgive, although that sounds dramatic in a big season where there's a whole bunch of episodes. So for me, when there are ten episodes in a season, the stakes I attach to each episode are definitely higher because they have to make a lot of choices. We're not going to do this. We only have time to do this. So that's why I think I am some sometimes harsher on these episodes when they're. They have something I think is missing that's vital or they take shortcuts and things like that.
0: Fair enough. And I think that's a a good point because let's face it, you know, there's a lot of bottle episodes. I mean, there's some great bottle episodes. In all of the shows sometimes you get you know really good ones but They're there's plenty episodes of
1: episodes and silly ones and unimportant ones and all kinds of things that in a 26 episode season just you know make a lot of sense
0: so let's hear what we had to say about charades okay so it's time to play charades with <laughs> sure <laughs> first syllable <laughs> why not this is the halfway point for season two and it's a return. To a Spock episode, a Spock to Pring episode. We haven't seen T'Pring at all, since yeah, not season since one. last
1: season, right? Yeah, yeah. And we got Mia Kirshner, which I've been waiting for and longing
0: for. They they were smart about you know mentioning that he doesn't talk to Sarek, so it makes sense that we don't see Sarek. But yep. let's so let's start with the high level though. Obviously, they're mixing things up with lots of different genres. So, you know, I'm fine with them doing a comedy rom-com episode, but at first I'm like, well, you already did that with Spock into praying. So there was a bit of a feeling of, did you need to do that again? But then I got past that because they did kind of deliver on that. It was not as funny as the previous one, I thought, on the comedy side, but maybe a better romance uh, between the two of them, perhaps. But, uh, you know, I liked it. But, you know, there's some things we're going to get into as we dive deeper. But what's your high level?
1: Well, there are definitely things we'll get into, as we always do. I think, you know, you're right. So it's a comedy. And if you look at it just as a comedy for me, then it I mean, it kind of works. I didn't enjoy it particularly, but it kind of works. It feels a little empty it makes me forgive certain things because the whole point was to be a comedy. But I think that biggest issue for me is that there was a pretty serious thing at its core, which is this thing that's happened to Spock that is basically just played for laughs instead of exploring who he is, how he feels about it, Vulcan versus human, all these things. So I think that was what, that was one of the big things that made it harder for me to enjoy because I was like, wait, this is a, big deal this isn't just i have a problem with my wedding dinner
0: they ramped up the peril on that about halfway through the episode and you might even miss it when christine says oh you know you have 24 hours yeah yeah and because the whole time you know before but she that she never tells it,
1: spock that
0: right right so um <laughs> or anyone really well B- B- um, because the whole time before that it seemed the peril only seemed to be the dinner you know, yes. it's, it's 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 an I Love Lucy episode. It's like there's an event and you've got to do, you know, but there's some re- weirdness and but you still have to pull it off with shenanigans.
1: She's got a loving cup on her head, but she has to take the subway. Yeah, it's like that kind of thing.
0: <laughs> Although, you know, there are stakes there, which they made clear, which is if you get the dinner wrong with the horrible mother-in-law, then the wedding's off. Spock made it clear that he's trying to make it work at the beginning with topring and we've seen them show genuine feelings for each other and i kind of liked how you know and we're jumping to the end but to Pring's like look you know i've stuck with you oh you no know, she this- was
1: right about everything she was a, she said you should have told me and instead you told all of your friends your whole crew i thought she was right i mean i uh, the problem with the whole story with them is that we know how it ends right like yeah <laughs> And so the stakes are not the same because we know, well, they're not going to stay together and get married. And eventually, and it did bring up some of the reasons that she will later bring up when it's Ponfar Amok time time. You know, like it planted those seeds for sure.
0: Because let's face it, Tepring just comes off as a horrible person in Amok time, right? Yes. So now we're like, well, you know, she had her reasons uh, to choose Ex- Stan, as it well,
1: were. I know, but not to choose Kirk. That's what made her seem horrible. <laughs> <laughs> That's the part that was like, oh, that is mean and cold. Yeah. So I, you have to assume some stuff has happened to her in the meantime. But I thought she was right about a lot of the stuff that she said and did in this one. And her mother, I, I really don't like the evil mother-in-law trope. I think it's cheap and easy and unworthy of Star Trek in many ways, but... And not like Luoxana was a much more interesting, insane mother to have. But I'll say this about that character. Fantastic costume. Across I, the board, the costumes, I loved all the costumes this time and especially hers. But I loved uh, Amanda's
0: outfits also. You know, and the kind of um, feeble father who kind of. Is Another by the annoying,
1: water. yeah, cliche. Although he was,
0: he was funny. You know, he loves the food. Then she points out that, you know, it's a little, you know, it has salt on it. (laughs) And he's like, well, maybe, maybe I don't like the food.
1: But again, like henpecked husband, overpowering wife. Yeah. And he's acting, and he's not a Vulcan. He's not acting like a Vulcan at all. He's like, this is delicious. Do you have any more of those snacks? And yeah, I'm it like, makes what? you wonder
0: what, why she married this guy. Because yeah, he yeah. isn't exactly. But I think it's it's more like she's likes to be in control. So his his primary feature is his weakness, um, from her po- point of view, I guess. And he's probably from a rich family. But
1: well, how about from his point of view? What's the fun for him?
0: I don't know. Yeah, I you know. See? So uh, he, you but know, anyway. we, he's 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 into domination. But the. Um, <laughs> But I thought he was a fun character. And I, I did think the stuff in the during the meal, uh, Anson Mount is subtly funny at so many times in this episode, you know, uh, we're just seeing him in the background, rolling his eyes or trying to navigate things or running into a door. He really hams it up. But in these subtle ways,
1: I think my favorite thing of his was when the father-in-law asked for more snacks or something, and he just snaps his fingers and gets up like he's been waiting for something useful to do for hours. <laughs> and performances across the board were great. I have no grapes with any of the actors. I thought they were all... Ethan Peck was fantastic. I thought everyone was really good. But I, I think there's one other big issue for me in this episode, and it goes to something that happens at the end. But when Christine Chapel is trying to tell this entity chapel is saying like i need you need to fix him you you have to help my friend and they say what are you to him and she says he's my friend and for them for some reason in their view that's not enough but knowing that she like likes him is important obviously that was all because we they wanted the scene of her friend saying to her just say how you feel but i'm like throughout star trek friendship has been such an important concept and in this episode it's all about how your friends come together and go above and beyond to help you. Up. They help her with her exam. You see all these, this montage of t- all the different crew members helping her with the interview she's going to have. And then with Spock, you get all these montages of people. We're going to teach you how to do this. and We're going to teach you how to do this. Friendship is so important. Friendship is everything. And then friendship is not enough was the answer at the end. And so that I didn't like that message. And you could say, oh, sure, it was just those aliens. But I'm like, well, they did it for a reason that I think undermined their own premise.
0: I don't know. I did. I, I I just took it as they're aliens and they don't understand. But they were kind of shoehorning this thing in where they were forcing her into a situation where she had to confront her own feelings. Which the point they were making there was that I don't think Christine had fully understood her own feelings. She was forced to confront that she likes, likes Spock and everyone else can see it. And she's tried to hold back, I guess, for, you know, cause she knows it's impossible.
1: That's why the writers did it. But it didn't make sense to me that the aliens did it because it was just, I really like him was like, Oh, then. Okay.
0: (laughs) So did they sneak off the ship without Pike or Una? I mean, were they, They never
1: said if they had approval. They said, did Pike approve this? And they never gave the answer. So I'm going to assume no.
0: But there's no, there doesn't seem to be any consequences.
1: Or security around a shuttle just left.
0: (laughs) Right. You know, towards the dangerous anomaly.
1: Well, the great answer to that is you get La'an in and she says, I'll make sure that nobody can tell. Oh,
0: there there you go. Problem solved.
1: There you go. Let's pretend they did that. I have to do that a lot
0: on this. But Ortega, you know, Ortega's got some good lines in here. She wore a cool shirt. So this was a good Ortega's episode. I liked when they were debating of whether to go in and she's like, you know, a dangerous maneuver. Does that sound like me to be the one to vote against that? So, right, you know, this is yeah. one of those things where they're doing things in season two that I don't think they could have done in season one. We know these characters better. You can make jokes about them as characters easier because we're getting to know them better.
1: And they also know each other better. And that part is it's enjoyable when you get to see them in scenes together and they know each other and they've worked together. And that is the reason we love all of our Starfleet crews is the way that they back each other up. Yeah. And so this crew is really doing that in a
0: big way. I really liked the scene with Amanda and Spock. He's been vulcanized again, but he's still got a little human left. And he's talking to her about the scene that she shared through the mind meld. Yeah. And he asked her why she did that. And she says to him, it's not easy being a human who loves a Vulcan. And he has enough empathy within him to suddenly realize, oh, shit. That's what Christine's going for right now. And that's when he decided to go see her and then she was already there. But I liked how his, mom- his epiphany came through his mother. And when he realized, I need to get to Christine.
1: And also, I do like that Christine said, like, yeah, it's easier for me. It's nicer when he's a human and can relate to me. But the guy that I love is the whole guy. She does love him for who he is completely.
0: Yeah, some people might think, oh, you know, this is the best thing that's ever happened right. to you. Spock is a human now, so this is must be, you know, Christmas for you. But uh, I did like how, no, she doesn't like it.
1: Like, think about, I hate to do... Th- Original series comparisons, but this side of paradise, right? She yeah. wants him to be the lovey-dovey one and not the Spock that he really is.
0: Yeah. So you, you can't help. I, like I the, mean, you, you can't like help but think about this side of paradise when you're watching this episode. I mean, right. cause Even though it's you know the prep, everything about it is different. But it's still an episode where Spock is expressing his emotions. Right. And by the way, you know, just like Leonard Nimoy in that episode, uh, you know, the uh, Ethan Peck really did a great job. You know, sure, they must up his hair and, you know, took away the eyebrows to help sell it. But he really sold human Spock versus Vulcan Spock and even the kind of slowly transitioning back to Vulcan Spock. So really good job he did in this episode, I thought. Yeah,
1: I think given what he was given... He did great.
0: You know, you talk about the friendship one. I thought that this, was, this episode did do, was good at highlighting the different relationships. And it did give everyone something to do. Everyone helping Spock. Mm-hmm. Um My favorite scene of all of those was the one where Una and La'an and Uhura were trying to teach him how to talk like a Vulcan. I really liked that one.
1: Yeah. Well, also because Ortega's was there and she said, notice how I move my eyebrow, but no other muscles in my face, which I thought was my favorite line of that whole thing. (laughs) Yeah, that scene was fine. That worked for me. And I liked that everybody was, everybody was helping everybody. Like Pike was hosting the whole thing in his quarters and he made all this food. (laughs) Like that was a really big deal too. I was surprised that he didn't, It was sort of a missed opportunity for number one and Spock to have some time because I feel like they'd had a bond when he first came on the ship and she used to hold everything back. And in fact, she gave him this advice in the short treks, if they want to connect the dots, about holding back. And then here was this different thing. But I, I feel like what we didn't get from him was how he felt about all of this. Not just, oh, now I have feelings I'm reacting to them. But how do you feel about the fact that a whole chunk of who you are is gone I think is a really big question and I and there were so many times he could have talked about it with number one or Pike or his mother or to pring which he should have done um and so but that's because it was a comedy and so they didn't want to they made the choice we're not going to turn this into a big heavy episode we're gonna we're gonna play it as a joke and see where the romance
0: takes us him not being a Vulcan made it difficult for him to get through this ritual. But they didn't show how, what it would do to him, his job, you know, like right. on the bridge. Like we never saw him try to scan something. Not that a human can't do the job, obviously, but we didn't really see what he lost is what you're getting at.
1: Right. Yes. Yes. We only saw that he gained. And so even when it came, when she, when Chapel shows up and says, I have a hypos- what uh, I'm going to totally ignore the fact that a hypospray could fix him magic alien due to blah, blah is inside the hypospray, um, <laughs> moving his organs around, I guess, and giving him that extra eyelid and all that stuff. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so when she gives him that hypospray, he just takes He never has a minute of thinking, maybe I want to stay this way. Like we get the impression he's having a fabulous time. So he never even has a moment Of what do I want to be? What don't I want to be? And I think by not giving him that moment. It made the episode not as interesting to me. Like it was just this light fluffy thing. With a dark center that everybody ignored. Except I loved. I thought the stuff with Amanda was really good. She was consistent with who she was on Discovery. Which I liked. Um, And you know had a lonely existence on Vulcan. That she'd chosen. And yeah. loves her son and would do anything for him, even this ridiculous ritual. Like the again, like I, if you look at a mock time and that all these rituals, right? It was a crazy ritual. Plus, they had this whole thing of she would become the possession of the husband, which was gross. So it's not right. like that was perfect. But all those rituals that were with the bell shaking and the, all those things were designed to control the Vulcan emotion, the blood fever. Yeah, but these rituals just seemed like. Right out of, they could have been in some Earth culture. They were kind of dopey, or just a joke. Like, no, you sit here while we tell you your flaws. Like, that's that was just a comedy bit.
0: Yeah, that was something out of Seinfeld. Like, you know, uh, something Frank Costanza Stanza would. Uh, anyway,
1: but you know, when when I think it's Tip, was it Tippering who says Tipper is very good at creating awareness. But it's just like, because they wanted to tell jokes, and it's okay to want to tell jokes. But some of them fell flat, and...
0: This is the difficulty with doing a comedy episode, which is you need comedy writers and comedy actors, but it'll never be as funny as a real comedy.
1: Well, so it's interesting, because the writer was Catherine Lynn, who wrote your favorite Lower Decks episode.
0: Wedge Douge,
1: And the director... She did 12 episodes of Schitt's Creek and she has a lot of comedy on her resume. So they did do that. They were like, let's hire a comedy writer and a comedy director.
0: Well, it's co-written by Henry, but fair right. enough. Right.
1: Yes. It's Sorry. She's the co-writer. I meant to say that.
0: There definitely were some of the right elements for comedy and there were yeah. funny moments. I mean, I did laugh literally out loud at moments. You know, I loved the thing where Sam Kirk really just pisses Spock off, obviously, and he finally got to show how much he gets pissed off by all of his little crumbs and stuff like that. And, you know, there's lots of little little moments here that were funny.
1: I have a question about, so the Kirk's, first of all, why is Kirk's brother still such a loser and a dork? But anyway, and his crumbs would have annoyed me too. Like, clean up. I was with Spock. Like, by the end, I would have been screaming, clean up, clean up your mess. But I was confused. Like, was that multiple different meetings at different Times or one long meeting but he was imagining different ways of I, I was I wasn't it sure was what was two, happening there. Well,
0: there okay so there was they were juxtaposing two sets of things so there was a meeting with the science group hanging out with friends and cooking with pike were three things that he did before he became human and then all then they did a weird montage of those same three things later. But they cut back and forth between them. But they were they were the same three. They were three moments that looked like multiple moments, I guess. But it was the. But,
1: but there's one where Spock cleaned up the dishes first. There's one where Spock's wishing he could do something about it, but doesn't. Right, and then he cleans up the dishes, and then he yells at him about the di- like. It felt I like think that
0: was all the same. I think it was all the same meeting where you know. So we're I you know I'm imagining he got another muffin and made more a bigger miss or okay. wh- whatever and he got you know, another spock muffin started like la- <laughs> you know like the joke was spock kind of laughed a little and then he kept on laughing and then there's a moment where he grabs una's arm with all of his vulcan Yay, strength and
1: waxer and stuff yeah, yeah yeah yeah
0: and so everyone's like no and the, the thing with pike cooking breakfast the second time when spock smells bacon which of course is a wonderful smell to a lot of people but spock is a vegetarian and like
1: that's what i was thinking too i thought at least pike would have said spock wait before you (laughs) eat that are you a vegetarian and he could have said well i'm experimenting what you know something like that i mean it's interesting like the smells thing that was on enterprise right doesn't to pull complain that humans smell so that's like a good little canon nod. I think she had
0: the same nasal suppressants thing. Yeah, so... And humans
1: um, think Klingons have a smell, you know, a peaty, sort of earthy smell. I'm
0: sure sure we smell awful to certain species. Um, And sometimes to each other. Exactly. (laughs) But that's, you know, there's nothing shocking about that.
1: But I agree, like, the vegetarian thing. And I think maybe if they'd... there, There were opportunities, I think, to make spock be more vulcan before that happened like when he's sort of telling pike oh i'm worried about this wedding and stuff and then he's and he says something like as you would say it's a big deal and i'm like no that's where you missed the banter the old school banter where spock would do a long convoluted explanation of why it's important and then pike would go i know spock it's a big deal like make him more vulcan so that that contrast is stronger but right i s- still felt like the meat was pardon the bacon reference but the meat was missing
0: well the whole point of that opening scene i thought was sold well because he's like i'm doing the things that Mabenga taught me so we're going back to episode one um where mabanga's like you've lost your control and he's like okay i'm now under control again and the thing that proved it was really the turbo lift scene It was all the scenes with him not being, not getting the joke at dinner, but, but it was really came down. That's almost the most pivotal scene is that he's in the turbo lift and it's like, Christine doesn't even exist from his point of view, you know, um, and, uh, or he's just so good at controlling things that he, he wouldn't, he wouldn't even turn his head to acknowledge her. So he was totally vulcanized at that point from my perspective. That set the stage for the rest of the episode.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree that that's what that scene did. But again, I, like to, I, I wanted more of a contrast. I felt It could have been stronger for me, I guess.
0: There was one scene that, to me, felt awkward, which is after he has his outburst scene and he c- clearly needs to talk to someone. I guess there is a kind of logic to this where he's held back by people. And he ends up talking to Lon. And it's like, why is he talking to Lawn? Shouldn't he be talking to Pike or to Mabenga? Because he's got a medical problem or he's, you know, or this is a discipline problem. But, you know, it's she's security. And it seems like the only reason they made it Lon is maybe to give um, uh, Christina Chong something to do. And also because she's hot. And they wanted him to kind yeah. of. Because there was that moment. And they even used a little bit of music from a muck time where he kind of gave her a
1: A once over almost. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, he checked her out, let's just say. Yes. And he noticed it and she noticed it. You know, but then they were you know, but she got it because she's like, You're basically a teenager right now, so you can't help yourself. Right. She
1: said adolescence is a delightful cocktail of (laughs) anger, fear, sexual attraction, and hunger.
0: I don't know. It was funny, but it was a little, it definitely was awkward. That's that, 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 which I guess is what they were going for. Yeah.
1: Perhaps. It's like that actually worked for me. That wasn't one of my issues. I mean, the, the biggest issue for me was that this, it was this combination of high stakes and low stakes, like low stakes. I don't care about a Sorry. I don't care about a stupid engagement dinner. I just don't. So <laughs> I'm also a very non-traditional person. So I didn't have a wedding. Like people have, I don't do those things, but anyway, and even Spock being human was made to feel low stakes.
0: The funny thing about this episode is we it is a Star Trek episode where they do a very cool Star Trek thing and they encounter a new alien species. And this species seems totally fascinating, but they're so in the background, they almost don't matter. We yeah. don't know who their name is.
1: We know they have a bureaucracy and that they like being named
0: after colors. Right. It it, it reminded me of the Sheliak, you know, because they, they kept on running <laughs> yes. into... <laughs> these issues with them. I mean, it was like the most annoying discussion with customer service where you were trying to talk to their manager. Can I speak to Yellow? Does you know, is Great. she in charge? Because uh, you're really annoying. Although Yellow wasn't that much helpful.
1: Well, in the end, Yellow helped.
0: Yes. Or maybe the, maybe they talked to Yellow's boss.
1: Even the idea that these aliens saw these two people in a shuttle that didn't match. And that one had conflicting stuff going on in his body. So they made the match is in is interesting and was almost just an aside.
0: They just did they certainly didn't get the idea of a hybrid and it, it seemed like a a flaw in Spock from their point of view. They didn't make him pure Vulcan because they didn't have a standard. No, they so- were
1: matching her. That's what they said. The reason yeah. they made him a human was because she was a human.
0: Right. So they're like, what's wrong with him? He doesn't match her. Let's make him more like her. Now that right. It kind of made sense. I, I, I liked that.
1: No, no. I, I just think it was worth more. It was those, right. the things that piqued my interest were the things that were shoved into the background. And yeah. the things that were less interesting to me, like how to poor tea, was front and center.
0: I mean, I get what you're saying about the stakes, but the whole point of a rom com is so often that it is low stakes it is just about a relationship it's not life or death um but it seems that way to the people in the middle of the turmoil you know or it is just about making a wedding day the perfect magical day you know when who really cares if it is or it isn't it's not, right. you know? so that is standard of the trope they're you know so they kind of went out of their way you know at the beginning they're like well we're just going to We're scanning a star system. We're going slow. Everyone's got extra time to practice their cooking. You know, the whole point is it's a low stakes episode. Yes,
1: I agree with that. And I just wish it hadn't had such a big thing. And of course, the real actually rom, the real couple that it's about is not Spock and T'Pring.
0: Right. That's the, well, maybe not the surprise, but certainly the twist. And if we're backing into our episodes from the end, which they Often, how they write these things, the whole point of this was to not break to Pring and Spock up, but to begin that breakup and to introduce this romance. Um, you know, which is now you know, and we haven't talked about it because this is just we've just taken this as a given. Um, that you know, TOS Chapel there, and this yeah. Chapel, you know, so but now they've basically said, "Yep, they are now deciding." We are going to give this a shot.
1: Right. This is a 100% breaking canon from the Chapel Spock story of original series.
0: Yeah, they are going to, you know, because the question is, how far did, you know, how did far did things go after the episode ended? The implication is um, pretty far, I would say.
1: Yes. You know, I, I think where they were and what they were doing.
0: Yeah, yes. with, with the final, what does this mean? I don't know, shut up. So, um, right. with I don't more think we're going to
1: open next week's episode at that same moment when one of them gets called to the bridge or sick bay. <laughs> and yeah. they don't get to fulfill it. In fact, I mean, we'll see how they're going to be with each other on the ship. Yes. But I almost feel like he didn't, she was doing, I mean, maybe this is in keeping with old school stuff, but she was doing all this stuff for him that he was completely unaware of. Like, she's working around the clock to come up with a cure for him. I don't know why Mabenga's not helping. He's just offering commentary every once in a while. But I'm like, aren't you the Vulcan physiology expert guy? But anyway.
0: That's inconsistent. But the the whole point was to make her look like she's leading the charge. I think it's more like Mabenga was trying. He did, kept on throwing things out. Like, did you try this or that? Well, and I've sir. got this experimental yes. thing. And, and, and she's like, I, I've been through your whole back catalog, yes. dude. I know, you know, I've tried it all. So, right. uh, you know, she was obviously just more motivated and he was letting her run with it. And, and we also took care of that thing set up in episode one, where she was going to leave the ship, which we, both you and I thought they were going to do a thing where she leaves and comes back. But apparently that's done now. She's not leaving.
1: Well, because you know what I think they wanted to do, which I do think was an interesting choice. So it's the it's the famous Vulcan Science Academy, right? Yeah. And I always think it's in it's at Star Trek two thousand nine, right, where we see that whole thing unfold, where they say to Spock, like, despite your disadvantages, and yes. his disadvantages, Amanda. <clears throat> so I so they you know she. Christine gets rejected from that, but then she basically rejects the guy. She turns it around and she's like, "Screw you," which it was, I think, a nice tie-in to that sort of similar theme of like the Vulcan Science Academy is full of (laughs)
0: jerks. (laughs) Well, and and Spock did. I mean, Spock's whole thing when the mom was just just being the worst is he he kind of did the Quinto Spock thing of saying, "Well, you know." hell with you when he said you'd think i couldn't be a human but uh guess what i've been human this whole time
1: although did it made me wonder did amanda have to do that ritual because then a human's already done it
0: (laughs) uh that's a good point
1: (laughs) but yeah he didn't like the the racism against humans and particularly his mother because they made a lot of very pointed comments about amanda who obviously has a very nice relationship with to
0: yeah, they seem to get along well. Um, And uh, this episode makes you like to more, you know, kind of, yes. like, you know, so which is good because they you kind of want to at least understand why they're together and that their breakup is something to lose. But I don't think this is the last we're going to see of her. I you know, I liked her more in this episode than I did in the amok time or I'm sorry, not amok time in the Spock Amok.
1: Yeah, no, I d- I liked her more in this one. I liked that she was frustrated about how long they spent talking about a dress, but I also was a, you know, it's a dress, so again, who care? Like <laughs> I felt like she did, but I also just thought they the the way they do Vulcans, and this isn't this is for me Enterprise onwards is I yeah. don't like the way that they did Vulcans because the thing about Spock, when I look at his history is that it doesn't, I felt like it didn't tell us anything about Spock when there was a great opportunity to do so. And we didn't sort of see what his strengths were as a Vulcan. And when you look at Leonard Nimoy, Spock, it's like, I think the character was so popular because, because of his difference and his alienness and his alienation and people really related to that. And, in, and, and, He has this constant struggle that Kirk always saw and Kirk loved him. And a lot of people didn't see that struggle. And so I thought the fact that everyone liked him better just as pure human kind of took away for me from the interesting side of who that character is with the weight of all the canon
0: behind him. You know, now that you say it, I could see that I certainly didn't feel that way as I was watching the episode. But, you know, I get that perspective. It still doesn't, you know, bother me, per se.
1: Fair enough. It struck me.
0: In a sense, this episode takes what would be the B story. Like if this were an episode of Next Generation, the mystery of the aliens and all their weirdness would be the A story. And then how it impacted one of the characters and their wedding preparations would be the B story. But in this episode, it's the B story is the A story, and there is really no B story, um, as it were.
1: And the alteration of Spock doesn't seem to be such a it's a it's a big deal because it affects how he does something, but it doesn't seem to we don't get those big moments of him contemplating what it means.
0: And this was what I was talking about last week of the serialization of the show and the Potential soapiness of the show is that you really need to be invested in these characters to really care about this episode. If you just popped this in randomly and you you weren't fully invested in Spock or the Spock Chapel thing, then it's a
1: nothing episode. Yeah,
0: because there's no cool sci fi concept for you to hold on to that much. It you know, the stakes are all about these relationships.
1: Right. There's some clever lines. Some funny lines, some nice moments between characters, but that's it.
0: And some cool outfits.
1: Some great, really great outfits that they found ways I thought of echoing original series kind of vibes and nice Star Trek vibes, but also modernizing it a little bit. But everyone looked
0: looked fabulous. And it's something that I've never thought of for a Star Trek episode, but whoever's doing the food and there is a food, you know, they have a food person.
1: Mm-hmm. like a food stylist
0: the food stylist was just spot on the stuff pike was making look delicious that the, the the hamburger and the the you know the sandwiches and i was looking at every i mean maybe i because i was watching this hungry i know that was probably my problem <laughs> and i was looking at that sandwich that are her and none of them were eating anything and i'm like god that looks great but no there was a lot of good food styling in this and
1: I also like, you know, Anson as a host, Pike as a host made me think, I bet Anson's a great host. Like, I bet if you come to his place and he and his wife having a dinner party, you are going to have an awesome time.
0: For sure. Yeah. Now, one thing that was, um, we had kind of hoped when we were introduced to Pelia and her she, yes. she name drop. So I'm at least glad they acknowledged that. Um, that there was, you know, there was this given reason why Pelia wasn't in the episode. But I guess weren't they- you
1: dying to see those two together?
0: Totally. Yeah. You know, and that would have amped up the humor. Mm-hmm. Help! it would have been great as part of the plan to get off the ship and to talk to the aliens. And obviously she's a great comedy actress. So, yeah, I really felt like she was missing. And, you know, I don't know if that was, you know, why they did that. You know, maybe she wasn't available.
1: I would have adjusted the schedule, you know, like I would have been like, let's film, let's, let's figure it out because she should have been there for that. It would have been really fun.
0: So she's been in two out of five. I mean, this is, it was a similar pattern actually with Bruce Horak and Hammer. Hammer really wasn't in that many episodes of season one.
1: I know. And I wanted him to be. And part of it is that chief engineer role. Like I just think in, In other treks, there's more like tech crazy. We go to different parts of the ship. We're in engineering a lot. And this one, they've made the decision not to do that, which is why we don't see those people
0: as much. Even compared to Discovery, like this show does not like techno babbling their way out of any problem. There really is no problem where they, they do that. And therefore, there's less reason for the engineer. And therefore, they give the engineer different interesting arcs, you know, like Emmer had the whole arc with Uhura, which was a much more emotional, character-based arc, and it worked. And with Pelia, it's more, you know, she's kooky and fun. But fine, if that's you know, if that's why you bring on these characters, this is when you use them.
1: Yeah, exactly. I agree with that.
0: There was a nice. There was a couple of <laughs> nice canon moment <laughs> when Spock was trying to hide that he was human from his mother with a hat, the knit cap. Yeah. Starfleet logo, so I guess it was just, so. This now establishes, even though that was kind of an homage to Spock in uh, City on the Edge of Forever, but that was an official Starfleet knit cap. So now yes. that is well.
1: Pike said, "Didn't Pike say like I have one just like it or something?"
0: Yeah. Pike was great <laughs> throughout this of just kind of lying when appropriate. You know, there was many moments where he, you know, where he was lying for Spock and then. Amanda was picking up on lies about charades. So there was a lot of that, which is typical of, you know, a comedy where people are have to essentially become improv players around someone concocting something. But so who knows if Pike was telling the truth or not. But I think the logo sold it that it's a real Starfleet knit cap.
1: I thought there was also a little nod to more like to behind the scenes of the original series when they brought him that for some reason they said they couldn't. I don't know why they suddenly couldn't surgically give him pointed ears because they've done all kinds of things to them to make them look like aliens but it was because they wanted that moment of bringing the two pointy ears the prosthetics which you know if you're an original series fan and you've read a lot about it you know how hard it was to find the right ears for leonard nimoy and they tried so many times until they got these perfect delicate ones that finally worked But again, it's another one of those situations where they're like, we want to tell the joke. So we're going to ignore the fact that we have the technology to do this stuff very easily.
0: There is another big canon thing that happened early on in a subtle way. So when Christine was preparing for her interview, she was being quizzed on Corby's principles of archaeological medicine. Ah. I didn't catch that. That's great. So, you know, the, her thing of there was these three principles, that was all new. But obviously this is a connection to Roger Corby.
1: Who we all thought she was going to meet if she went to that Vulcan thing.
0: Right. <laughs> so, you I, know, I forget where in real canon, whether she has already met him at this point or not. But I think what I think they're setting up. Roger Corby. I mean, maybe it was just a, a nod, but maybe her new level, you know, and she's going to write this paper about these aliens. Maybe they're setting things up for Roger Corby to be a character. I wouldn't be surprised.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if they did. And I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't, I don't feel like I quite have a handle sometimes on which parts of canon they think are worth holding on to and which ones they want to drop. And we're in completely new territory with her because none of it matches up.
0: Another thing I, I like that they've done this season, every episode has a different character or maybe two characters do a personal log. So, you know, we're used to captain's logs, but now everyone gets one. And this week we got our first uh, Christine Chapel log in the series. Last week, Erica got to do a log. And, you know, when I interviewed them, they were all talking about this like as they were nervous, like, how do you do a log? How do you pronounce Stargates? <laughs> I mean, they took it very seriously because it's such a big deal. Right. Well, that's good. Yeah. So this episode, we had one from Spock and one from Christine, both but both on the same date. So that whole thing at the beginning was supposed to be all like at the same time, essentially, which I thought worked well when they went back and forth between him and her and how they were dealing with their time off. Sure. It wasn't a
1: big favorite of mine. I got to be honest. (laughs) Wasn't my episode. I will say I'm going to try and end on a positive note, which is that I liked that Amanda was doing everything she could for her son, including the life she chose once, you know, she did what she was supposed to do, that Spock saw the strength of her and how that part of him is strong. And she's the strongest person he knows, despite being shunned and having to deal with all this judgment And that, to me, that was kind of an antidote to what I felt was the weight of fathers on Star Trek Picard (laughs) season three, where I felt like mothers were tossed. The influence of mothers was was made insignificant very quickly. And it was all about father, father, father. And this, I thought, was all about mother, mother, mother. And I was happy to see it.
0: We got an example of a horrible mother and a wonderful mother. Yeah, that, that relationship. And it's always been a strong relationship. And they really honored that Yes, era.
1: And I think she captures some of what I loved about Jane Wyatt's Amanda, too. Which is that you feel like she's chosen this life on Vulcan. She's still very much herself. And she loves them for who they are.
0: And a, and a bit of, you know, one of the things that the J.J. Abrams movies did is show how much Spock loves his mother.
1: Yeah, and and they definitely use that too which i like that's one of the things i like about that those movies i think that's it i mean i don't want to go through and nitpick about other things that didn't make me laugh um that seems unhelpful (laughs) (laughs) i think we've said all the big things
0: yeah they've continued to do what they said they were going to do every week they're going to try a new genre this week they tried rom-com again and uh it was okay But uh, maybe not my favorite, for sure.
1: Yeah, for me, it was meh.
0: (laughs) And on that delightful note, let's talk about our bits of the week.
1: Exactly. So that's charades. Now let's do our bits of the week. Tony, what you got?
0: Well, I'm going to return to something we talked about earlier, which was the passing of Manny Cotto. Our friends at the Inglorious Trexperts podcast, Mark Altman and Darren Docterman, put together a special quick podcast. Uh, They brought in Mike Sessman, who was a writer on Enterprise and Brandon Braga's co-creator, writer, executive producer on Enterprise to just, and it's just a really good podcast where they talk about, you know, what a huge fan man he was and what it was like to work with him. And it's a really good listen. And then Mark rolls in the audio from his book, you know, the 50 year mission book. He did a You know, about an hour interview with Manny and that audio is part of it, too. So um, if you're a fan uh, of Enterprise and or of Manny Cotto, it's worth listening. It's two hours long, but there's a lot to it.
1: Yeah, I'm going to check it out when I get back from my trip and I have time. No podcast for me this week. It's been rough. My bit of the week is so it's so endearing actually, so it's... (laughs) Dave Blass was with the Akudas and Scott Mance and a whole bunch of people up at the original series set reproduction that they have in upstate New York, and William Shatner was there, and there's... And Scott Mance filmed this wonderful little thing with Dave Blass, and he's given William Shatner the plaque that he made for the new Enterprise, and he's showing him the dedication plaque that he's got all the names on it, which include Matt Jeffries and Herman Zimmerman, like, all these people, and they just... You can tell that Dave Blass is just nervous, I think, to be with Shatner and excited (laughs) and deferential. Like it's so he feels the same way we all kind of feel when we're there and they have a great little exchange and conversation. And I and he describes what it was like taking Herman Zimmerman on the set to show him the Enterprise on Picard. So it's just it's very it's sweet. It's a bunch of grown men and it's very sweet.
0: That's awesome. I'll have to check that out. Um, I'm a fan of both of theirs. All of theirs. Yeah. Zimmerman, Chatner, all of them. Dave Blass.
1: Jeffries, everybody.
0: Okay, so that's it. We're at the halfway point for Star Trek Strange New World Season 2. Come back next week for our Comic-Con preview and review of Episode 6, which looks like kind of an Uhura episode, I think. Cool. I haven't watched it yet. Have you? Nope.
1: All right, we'll see you next week. <laughs> Bye.